Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. Um, I really didn't know this week how things were going to go down. I wasn't sure if we were going to meet together. And when the prohibition came regarding the large meetings, we quickly got our leadership council together to decide what we would do together and how we'd respond and how it applies to us and, and came up with this for now. But be aware, it's just so fast changing. I mean, we were not here a few days ago and it just changes every day, new information. Uh, Lord willing, things will get back to some new sense of normal before too long. Hopefully, though, we can continue to meet like this in this large building. Thank you, God, for a great big building for our congregation. Isn't it wonderful? Um, so I thought, hmm, we're going to, will I even preach to my congregation this week? And I, you, if you know me, if you've been with me, you know that there's usually like a handout with a lot of notes on it and an outline and all organized and I'm, I'm breaking away from that, and I have, I have some scriptures and like, like two points, I think, that I gave to Matt to show on the screen so we could read some stuff together. But I felt like this when I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to share with your people to build them up, to make disciples, to study the Word of God together the way we're taught? What, where should I go? You know, I, I pray about those things all the time. I don't have a, a book I go to that says, next week, do this. There's no schedule like that. And I felt the, not the strong God said, thus says the Lord, but the still small voice. Do you know that one? The still small voice where you ask for the Lord to guide. You hear just a hint of something, and you pray some more, and it stays, and you just go with it. And I felt like he said I ought to share with you the things that are where I run to when I hit times that could be anxious or fearful. I don't know if any of you in this room are in fear, but I'm told there's a lot of people around us that are in a lot of fear right now. There's some panic going on. And that's not our place. Uh, my, my hope is that as we look to the Word of God, look to the presence of the Holy Spirit, look even to each other, stay connected in community, even if it's six feet apart from each other, but we're talking, we're connected, that there will be an example for all around us as to what it looks like for people who know God, people who have the Spirit of Jesus Christ in their lives, who have a peace and a confidence that never is shaken. Everyone wants that. Many people don't know where to get it. Um, the, the, the truth is that the economy can't give us peace. When it's good, it might feel like it's giving us peace, but it's not really doing the job. The, the idea that no trouble will come our way, that does, it was just not true. Have you figured that out yet? If if you heard a preacher say, give your life to Jesus and all your trouble will go away, did you figure out he wasn't being honest? Jesus actually said the opposite. He promised his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. That was his promise. But then he said, but fear not. 
I have overcome the world. And he said that I will be with you always. And that's just not some religious statement. It is the truth. I have been through some crisis moments in my personal life, and God was with me. I've been in the emergency room of the hospital, and God was with me. I've been in an ambulance, and God was with me. I've been in difficult places, and I can, I'm here to say I've been through the storm, and God was with me in the storm. So I want to just, I want to share with you a couple places in Scripture that I go to. Um, and there would be more, but maybe this would be helpful for you. I hope it is. There, we're going to start with the Psalms. There's a Psalm that David wrote, Psalm 11. And we want to read through just the first part of it. Well, maybe I have the whole thing. We'll read through it and we'll talk about it, okay? You ready? In this psalm, David, King David, man of after God's own heart, leader, lots of trouble, is responding with worship and leading people who will now sing this song with him. This is, a, this is the lyrics to a song. About the response when people all around him are saying, Oh my gosh, David, all hell is breaking loose, all hope is lost, you better run to the mountains. There's no hope. Here's the words he writes. The first words, in the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. In other words, there is a danger, an attack, and an enemy, and you don't even get to see where it's hiding. There's an enemy hiding in the shadows, bow and arrow. The, the bow is strung, the arrow is against the string. It's pulled back. They're going to shoot you down. You better run. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say, flee like a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. And then he says this really interesting, chaotic statement. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now listen, this is a thought that comes again and again and again in times of fear and crisis and crisis and fear, that the thing that's foundational has been destroyed. And if the foundations are destroyed, we're in trouble. But the answer is, the foundations are not destroyed. Look at the next words. The Lord is in his holy temple. Here, he's responding to this statement. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can even the righteous do? And David says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's still on his throne. The throne is the place of authority, giving command. He's in charge. He's ruling. The Lord reigns. He's king. And he didn't leave his throne. And that is our foundation. The foundation's not destroyed. He's in his temple. He's on his throne. He observes the sons of men. Those evil men in this story hiding in the shadows, God sees them. He observes the son of men. His eyes examine them. So when fear says, flee like a bird to the mountains, the foundations are being destroyed. Faith says, mm -mm. God is still on his throne. He is my foundation, and my foundation is eternally solid. 
Can you say that? My foundation is eternally solid. Oh, you're literally going to say it. Yes. That's what I like. Let's do that again because I wasn't sure you were going to say that. My foundation is eternally solid. Oh, I believed it more when you said it. That was good. You know, when fear comes knocking at your door and you open the door and it says, Hi, my name is Fear, you might say, Hi, my foundation is eternally solid. What are you doing here? <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> Slam the door. So the psalm goes on. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked and those who love violence his soul hates. On the wicked he will rain fiery coals and burning sulfur. This, it's poetic language of the defense of God against the enemies of David. A scorching wind will be their lot. For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. God loves justice. Justice is when he does right for those that he's watching out for. When injustice comes their way, he stands up for justice and protects them. The Lord loves justice. Upright men will see his face. So when fear says flee to the mountains, what does faith say? God is my protector. God fights my battles. God is presence with me, present with me. His presence is with me. And I am at peace. I am at peace. The foundations are not shaken, people. God's foundation is not shaken by a virus that goes internationally. God's foundation is not shaken when the stock market drops. God's foundation is not shaken when bad things happen. So another, just one verse I want to emphasize that ties in with this, that gives me an understanding of reality. Now remember last week I talked about the belt of truth, and one of the safety measures or the safety that the provision of the armor of God called truth brings is the promise and the ability to see things as they really are. We just did one. The foundations really aren't being shaken. There's tremendous help in times of trouble with the armor of God truth and seeing reality as God sees it, the one who's outside of our reality and sees the beginning and the end from each other and all the in-between and all the results. So there's an interesting way that Paul the Apostle describes this. And I'm going to read just a few verses from his letter to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will. God makes known to us the mystery of his will. Mystery in the Bible refers to something that has been hidden but is now revealed by God to his people. His will is not known until he makes it known. He's made it known, and here it comes, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment. This is God's will, to bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head, even Christ. This is where history is going. He shall reign. The kingdoms of this earth have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. We sing in the Handel's Messiah out of the book of Revelation, described here, God is moving history to the place where Jesus, in a time of persuasion and invitation right now, come, follow me, come, let me be your Lord, will one day be Lord 
and the time of persuasion will be over. And if, listen, if you didn't hear me right, or if I didn't explain that right, let me clarify. He is Lord, but we are in a season where he allows people to reject him. There is a day coming when he will return, and the Bible teaches every knee will bow and every tongue confess on the earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That day is coming. And that's what this verse says. To bring all things in heaven and earth together under one head, even Christ. Why? Because God loves all things and all people. And everything will be in its perfect place when we are together in one body, under one head, Jesus Christ. And all the people that want to live a different way are given what they want in that day. And they're no longer having to deal with God because they've been sent to another place. Because they said, no, we don't want you. And he said, okay, have your way. He's going to bring all things in heaven and earth under one head, even Christ. Now listen to the next verse, though, that helps us understand what's called predestination. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. God works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. If you don't believe that, you will be shaken. If you believe that God works everything together according to the purpose of his will, you're really in good place. Now, this is, this is um, debated about how this all works out. I'll give you my best interpretation and do with it what you want. Here's my understanding. God is so far and above our ability to understand that he can have an entire planet with billions of people who have free will. They can make choices, and he still will work all of their various choices together in such a way that his will is ultimately accomplished. That's hard to comprehend. But when something happens, even if it's caused by human choice or human sin, God isn't worried. Now, I thought, how can I explain this? And this might be a bad example. Unless you're from the Midwest, you might get this. Woo! Who's from the Midwest? <laughs> right there. In the Midwest, they play a lot of cards. And my, my, uh, my family is from Michigan. Kim's family is from Minnesota. When I get together with Kim's parents, we play cards. And her dad is a master card player. He memorizes every card that's been played. It's amazing. So we play this game where we're two teams. He and I against maybe Kim and her mom. And so I don't see his cards, and he doesn't see my cards if you don't know card games. We're teams, but we don't know what we have in each other's hands. But we're playing as a team to try to win all the cards off the table according to the rules of the game, right? And there often comes a time when we're like maybe in the lead in the, in the particular hand, and I look at my hand and the cards are going down, and I, you're not supposed to talk, but I might say, oh my gosh, I don't know which way to go. I don't know whether to play this one or this one, because if I play this one, this could happen, and I'm not that good. Oh my gosh. And my dad, father-in-law, who's my partner, will say this. He goes, doesn't matter what you play. <laughs> it doesn't matter, because I got it covered. Isn't that, it's fun that way, and I just rest. Listen, it doesn't matter what we play. God's got it covered. He's going to win the hand. He's going to work it together for good. Now, it's good to be wise, 
and listen to him and study his ways and follow his word and seek his guidance and, and be right in harmony with everything he's doing. But even if you don't, the end will still work out according to his will. It might be more painful to get to the end than it needs to be if we follow his way. So I recommend following his way, okay? But he works everything together for, his, for our good and his purposes. Do you know Romans 8.28? Everyone's got that memorized? All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. God works everything together for our good and his glory. Even the bad things. I am convinced that all of the prophecies that we've been hearing about a coming move of God's Spirit across our land to draw many people into relationship with Jesus. Not unlike revivals we've seen in the past. Not unlike the great revival of the Jesus movement where hundreds of thousands of people came out of the worst place into life in Jesus. It's been prophesied that that's about ready to happen. I, when I saw this thing, I went, oh, what are you going to do with this? You're going to use this to make that happen, aren't you? Do you remember when we read the Exodus? And the children of Israel came out of Egypt, and they came to the worst trap they could imagine called the Red Sea. There they were in terrified fear, shaking, going, why did you bring us here to die? The Egyptian army is coming. Now God has said, I'm going to show my hand to Pharaoh who resists me, and I'm going to show the world my might. I've chosen him for this purpose. God, working all things together for his purposes. Knowing that Pharaoh had the option to say yes to God, knowing that he wouldn't, knowing that he would destroy the armies of the biggest world superpower of the time. He brings the children of Israel to the Red Sea. They are trapped. The enemy's coming to destroy them. And they can't see that God makes all things work together for their good. Because what looked like a trap was actually the biggest weapon God had ever planned. A giant sea that would swallow up the entire army and destroy it in one move. That's what God does. Do you remember when Goliath came against the children of Israel and they were quaking? They were in great fear. They did not know that God was going to use that event to bring the greatest victory he had brought to the nation of Israel in a long time. The very one who looked like the enemy that would destroy them was the tool of God to destroy the enemy. God easily handled Goliath and then the nation of Israel won a great victory against the Philistines. This is how God works. He takes what looks like the biggest enemy and uses the enemy's weapons against the enemy for God's purposes, for our benefit, and his glory. That gives me hope and peace. That comes out of Ephesians 1. Was that verse 12, verse 11? Know that verse, Ephesians 1, 11. He causes all things to work together according to his plan in conformity with his purpose and his will to bring all things together under Christ. It's really good news. Okay, one more passage of Scripture. You guys doing good? Do you know Psalm 46? You know 4610. That's right. Be still. Well, I want to read through the psalm with you. Similar language. 
We're not sure who wrote this psalm. It's probably a group of people called the Sons of Korah who were worship leaders in Israel sometime generations after David, after Solomon. The psalm goes like this. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. You know that. God is my refuge, the shelter that I go to, and my strength, the one who fights my battles. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. I'm missing part of the verse. Is it up there? The mountains fall into the heart of the sea. There it goes, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Let me back up and read that again. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. We're talking earthquake. We're talking, looks like hurricane. We're talking tidal wave. The, the, The psalm says, though all of that happens, I will not fear, because the next verse, there is a river. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. Oh, I'm thinking King James. The the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. Do you recognize the, the words holy place? Remember any study of the tabernacle of Moses? You remember the way it's set up is there is a holy place where the priest goes into the very presence of God. And in, if you read King James, it's the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. This is speaking of the place of God's presence. There is a river that runs through the city of God. What do we mean by the city of God in this context? The place where God is living and dwelling and ruling His presence. People When the mountains shake, when they fall into the sea, when the waters roar and shake and quake and it's all foamy and it looks like there's a tidal wave coming, right in all of that, there's a peaceful river. The river of God's mercy, the river of God's life that is available to you and me to come to. The river of God. And it's the place of his presence. Um, Immediately, I... I'm taken to, and I didn't put it in the, the scriptures for, for Matt to show, but if you have a Bible, you might open up to Revelation 22, the end of the Bible. Revelation 22, verse 1 says, The angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month. I'm in Revelation 22, first verse 1. The leaves of the tree of life that's by the river are for the healing of the nations. This is the picture we're seeing. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city. His servants will be with him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. Does that give you some peace? That's the river coming from the throne of God that is available to us in the midst of the storm. 
Hebrews 10, also I didn't give this to Matt, but I'm referencing it regarding the holy place. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that part of the tabernacle where God dwells, and only the priest could go with the blood of the sacrifice, the author of Hebrews says, that has been fulfilled in Jesus. Now you and I can, through the blood of Jesus Christ, enter the most holy place in God's tabernacle and draw near to God. Since we have that, since we have a great priest over the house of God, Jesus, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. Where there is a river, the city that makes glad, the river that makes glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. Let's hold on swervingly to the hope we profess. That's the Hebrews part. Let's hold on swervingly in times of crisis to the hope that we profess and consider how we can spur each other on to love and good deeds. Let's not give up meeting together, which for some of us might be through Zoom meetings in the future, <laughs> but let's, or Skype, or phone calls, or FaceTime. If that happens, we still meet together. The next verse, come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he's brought on the earth. So it was talking about the turmoil of nature. Now it's talking about the turmoil of the nations. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. There's a picture of God's plan of bringing peace, and he does this. And all the weapons of war are broken. One Isaiah prophecy talks about turning the um, swords into plowshares. And then the verse that Michael was referring, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. It's a promise. Stop striving. Don't worry. I will be exalted among the nations. And those of you that have been around know that the word know in the Bible means to know by experience, not to know by head knowledge. To know by head knowledge and experience. Be still and experience that I am God. Be still and experience that I am God. I'm going to use this to be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. What a promise. I love that. And then the final sentence. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. People dwell in those words. Be wise, but don't be fearful. The foundations are not shaken. God is causing everything to work together according to his good plan. Seek him, worship him, and in knowing his presence, be a light to your neighbors. Knock on their door and ask how they're doing. Call them up. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.